the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The woman in our gospel lesson comes up to our Lord Jesus and cries out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And as soon as she says this opening sentence, the story already sounds strange to our Western ears. We know that demon possession was an issue that our Lord Jesus dealt with throughout his earthly ministry, but it's not an issue with which many of us have had a lot of personal experience. In fact, I suspect that if I asked for a show of hands, there would be relatively few of you who can say that you've seen something that you knew for sure to be an instance of demonic possession. This is hardly surprising. But even in our increasingly secular culture, chances are that most of the people you come into contact with from day to day have some degree of connection to the Christian faith. At the very least, most of the people you meet out there in American culture today are probably baptized. But that wasn't the case with this woman. Remember, this woman was a Canaanite. She wasn't part of the people of God who worshipped the God of Israel. In fact, she was a member of an idolatrous nation that was the ancient enemy of the people of Israel. And now her daughter is possessed by a demon. But unlike in our current American culture, this should have come as no surprise to this Canaanite woman. After all, this woman wasn't some poor, unsuspecting mother whose daughter wound up possessed by some demon that just came out of nowhere. No, this woman was a Canaanite. She worshipped demons. That was this woman's entire religion, to serve and give offerings to various demons that masqueraded as gods. So of course this woman's daughter was possessed by a demon. This woman and her people, and likely her young daughter, had voluntarily given themselves up into the power of demons. And now this woman has begun to see her chickens coming home to roost. As she sees her daughter being oppressed by this evil spirit, she must have begun to realize that she wasn't some unwitting victim. No, this woman is watching her own sin catch up with her right before her very eyes, as one of these false gods that she'd served takes hold of her daughter. Her idolatry is coming back to bite her, but not even just her. No, her sin has come back to take its toll on her family, on her child. But this woman has heard that this Rabbi Jesus is traveling through the region. And somehow she had heard who this Jesus was. She knew that he wasn't just some rabbi. He was the Lord, the son of David. Somehow she knew that this was Israel's Messiah, the one who had come to defeat even the devil and all of his demonic minions. And so she goes out to find him. And as she sees him traveling by with his disciples, she cries out to him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And as she waits for Jesus to turn and release her daughter from the power of the demon, she gets nothing. Not even an answer. Total silence from the son of David. So she keeps crying out. But when she finally gets Jesus to speak, it's not good news. I wasn't sent to help you. I was sent to the house of Israel. And now this woman is even worse off than she was before. Not only has her sin caught up to her and taken its toll on the person that she loves the most, now she even has God against her. She's cried out to Jesus for help and gotten nothing. As a matter of fact, she's gotten worse than 
He's gotten a Jesus who's given every indication that he's not interested in responding to her cries for help. How many of us can relate to what this woman has been through? True, it's likely that very few of us have ever witnessed demonic possession in our own families. But how many of us have seen our own sins come back to catch up with us later? How often has a harsh word or an inconsiderate action to a family member or a friend come back to harm us later? And when it comes back, we realize that our own sin has irreparably damaged that relationship. Or how often have our attempts to cut corners and skirt the law of God ended up making things even harder for us than if we just followed the law to begin with? And we know that our sins don't only affect us. For the Lord says that he punishes the sins of the fathers for the third and fourth generations. How many of us can say that we've seen our own sins come back to affect those whom we love the most? How many of us have seen our own bad temper or irritability come right back to us in the faces of our parents, our spouse, or children? Yes, in one way or another, we can all sympathize with this poor Canaanite who watches her own sins catch up to her right before her very eyes. And how many times have we all prayed to our Lord, begging for liberation from the consequences of whatever sin it is that's coming back to haunt us, and just like this Canaanite woman, gotten nothing? How many times have we felt like we've actually gotten worse than nothing? Like our Lord Jesus is not only silent, but not even interested in helping? Well, for those of you who know the plight of this Canaanite woman, Look to her example. Even when her prayer is answered with silence, even when it seems that the Lord himself is against her, she continues to cry out, Lord, help me. And when our Lord tells her that it's not right to take the children's food and throw it to dogs like her, she actually agrees with that. She says, yes, Lord, I am a poor sinful woman who doesn't deserve the food that ought to go to the children. I'm not some innocent party to this situation. My sins and nothing else have gotten me into the situation that I'm in. But I know that your mercy is so great that there's not only enough food for the children, but even enough crumbs to fill all of the hungry dogs in the world. And when he hears that word of faith, our Lord Jesus frees the woman's daughter from her oppression by the deed. Because the woman didn't lose heart, even when the whole world and even God himself appeared to be against her. Instead, she held our Lord Jesus to his promise of mercy. You see, when our sins start to catch up with us, and we don't know whether our Heavenly Father is for us or against us anymore, we look to the mercy of our Lord Jesus. For he, as true God, creator of the universe, went up to the cross to take away the sins not only of a few, not only of the deserving, but of the entire world, of every individual sinner, even you and me. For his blood was more than precious enough before his Heavenly Father to achieve the forgiveness of every sinner there ever was. And his perfect sacrifice frees all sinners, even you, from the penalty of their sins. Yes, his mercy that he showed in his passion is sufficient to satisfy not only the children, but also the dogs. And in your baptism, he promised you that you would be one of those to whom he would show mercy. 
So even when our sins come back to haunt us, and perhaps especially when we're tormented by the consequences of our own sin, <coughs> we hold our Lord Jesus to his promise of mercy. For we know that even when we suspect him to be against us, even when we fear that there is no restoration for sins like ours, our Lord Jesus' innocent sufferings and death were more than enough to deliver his mercy to us who don't deserve it. And so in this Lenten season, we grieve over our sins and we acknowledge their seriousness. We certainly shouldn't stop doing that. But we don't lose heart. Instead, like the Canaanite woman, we hold our Lord Jesus to his promise of mercy. And trust that even when we and those we love are held captive by our own sins, our Lord Jesus, by the power of his perfect sacrifice, will certainly show mercy and heal us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.